When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the 1871 podcast with Dylan Kerr, Johnny Hunt and me, Mark Roach. And our special guest tonight is former Royals defender Andy Bernal, who joins us all the way from Canberra in Australia, where it's already tomorrow morning. So hello, Andy. How are you? Hello. Um, thank you for um, having us on the show. Uh, I've been watching uh, all the other uh, podcasts with interest and uh, uh, you guys are doing great, so it's a, it's a pleasure to be here, and um, let's chat. Yeah, well, before we speak to you, Andy, a, a heads up for, for you, the listeners, that we've got a special episode coming up on Sunday when I'll be chatting to Graham Nicholas, who has reported on Reading for local and national media for nearly 50 years. So that's available anytime from 10am on Sunday. And then our special guest on Tuesday evening is Martin Allen. And we have a special episode coming up in two weeks when we'll be discussing and choosing our greatest Reading eleven from the last 50 years. So Dylan, of course, already wants to know if he's in it, but we'll have to wait and see. <laughs> so, um, so look, no game for Reading this weekend, but um, there has been a new sign-in this week from Crew, Terrell Thomas, a centre-back. Uh, now, I have it on very good authority that Crew didn't want to keep him. Um, so, Johnny... Uh, your thoughts. Paul Ince obviously feels it, it was something that, that was worth doing, having another centre-back. What are your thoughts? Oh, I think it's just backup, isn't it? Like, you know, we, like, I think we're down to 12 players now because of the international break. Um, who knows what's going to happen in the next few weeks? It got a point to prove, so let, give him the chance. Um, you know, a hungry young player, out, you know, give himself a go. Nothing to lose. It's a no-brainer, isn't it? You know, obviously, if it doesn't break our uh, our financial restrictions, then uh, we'll be fine. So, you know, we've had a good couple of results recently. So uh, we'll see what happens, and we can enjoy the international break. Yeah, and, and it's the the big game coming up at Barnsley next weekend. And, and Dylan, there's already a decent gap between Reading and Barnsley. So, if Reading can get a win at Barnsley next weekend, that's a massive step towards Championship safety, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's it's a big game for Reading, especially on the back of the victory last week. So, you know, the the, the onus now is to go to Barnsley and it's always a tough place, Oakwell. Uh, and, and Barnsley have turned the corner, so they'll, they'll be expecting to get three points as well. But, uh, you know, it's again, it's, 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 it's what team wants it most at the end of the day when you go away from home. Can you get a point? Uh, if not, can you sneak a win? But you don't want to be losing. That's that, That's the be-all and end-all of it. You cannot lose. And, and obviously, some of those players are away on international duty, but Paul Ince has got another week to prepare for that. So, um, you know, let's uh, let's look forward to that one uh, next weekend. But now it's time to, to speak to Andy Bernal. Andy, you were obviously a teammate of Dylan's at Reading in the, in the 90s. You represented Australia. You were personal manager to David Beckham. When Beckham moved to Real Madrid, I think it was. You're also an author, so loads to talk to you about. Um, you've also given us at the start 
before we started this call a bit of an exclusive as well. So hopefully we'll get to speak to you about that. But before we talk to you about David Beckham and, and your book, can you take us back to when you first joined Reading from Sydney Olympic? I think it was 1994. Firstly, how did that move come about? It, it came about in, in a bar at, at 1am in King's Cross, which is like the, the Soho area of, of, of London, uh, or the, Sydney's equivalent. And uh, I ran into Mick Hickman, who was one of the assistant uh, coaches for um, Mark McGee at the time. And he, he said, look, we've just gone up to uh, Div 1, I think it was Championship, and he said, we're looking for a right back. And I had I don't think I'd ever played right back in, in, in my whole career. I've, I've been a, a six or a, a, a man marker at the back, a central defender. And uh, uh, I said, he said, can you play right back? And I said, tell Mark McGee I can play right back. So within 24 hours, uh, I'd spoken to Mark and I was on my way to, to Reading. Um, by that stage, I... I was probably on, on, you know, on one leg. I wouldn't have passed uh, a modern day medical. And, um, but my desire to get back uh, to England and play after being denied for, for many reasons uh, over many years was so great that, uh, you know, I told Mark I could play right back. And uh, I got on a plane and, and, and landed uh, in London. And, and next minute I was, I was driving down the Oxford Street to see Dr. Williams. And, and it was it was obviously a you know a great time for for Reading for the players the team the fans during your time at, at Reading. Obviously, we you know we had Shaka Hislop on and talked about that that game against Bolton in the playoff final. I mean, if you look back on your your time at Reading and uh, you know how that went for you, what what are your thoughts now all, all these years later about you know what what's your sort of summary of of how you felt about your time at Reading? It was for me. It was it was one of the most uh, amazing uh, parts of, of my life. You know, growing up in Australia, um, you know, as a kid, you know, watching the big match and, and watching English football and, and falling in love with, with you know the Leeds United side of of, of yesteryear. Uh, you know, for, for kids in Australia, it's a dream to play in England. And for me, you know, just just you know, having the opportunity to play in all those wonderful stadiums that, that you know, you read about in shoot magazines. And, and, you know, we're talking 35, 40 years ago, you know, when going to, to England, when playing in England, you know, for an Aussie kid was like going to the moon. It, it just, it was simply kind of that, that much of a leap. And, and Craig Johnston was, was, you know, a pioneer for us in, in that aspect. And, and just... A beautiful, beautiful time with, with fantastic, you know, people, you know, fr from club officials to, to teammates, good people, good souls. You know, I, I turned up, I, I was made really, really welcome. And it was, it wasn't, a, it wasn't, you know, as little as a community club, but, but it had a community spirit about it. And I've heard Dylan talk about that before. Um, you know, we as players really, really engaged um, with, with the whole town. Uh, you know, there was a fantastic spirit about the place. Um, we, we were a good side too. You know, you take the first 14, 15, 16 players, we didn't have a lot of depth. But wow, you know, what a wonderful bunch of, of, of footballers. And, uh, 
and many of us, um, you know, pros that, that quite didn't make it elsewhere or whatever, but we came together and there was a, you know, just a fantastic vibe and feeling that you really get in football that, that we would go anywhere and, and, and we knew we were going to win, you know, or, or if we lost, we, we'd put up a fantastic performance. We were good footballers. Uh, we were warriors and, and, and athletes, you know, and we played for, for, for every single person that, that, that paid money to go through those turnstiles. We gave our all. Uh, at times that wasn't good enough to, you know, we, we, you don't win all your matches, but certainly for a year or two there, we, uh, it was a, a wonderful time where you would just go out and play. And then we almost, it was almost this sense of knowing that you would win. Uh, you'd go to Roker Park, you know, on a Tuesday night uh, and you, you'd, you'd land at Roker Park and just had this feeling that you'd, you'd come away with the three points. It was, it was an unbelievable, that, that first season for me was unbelievable. You know, nine months earlier, I'd, I'd been playing part-time football, uh, you know, while still being an international, I was playing part-time football for Sydney Olympic and working as a park ranger slash dog catcher, you know, nine months earlier. Nine months later, I'm, I'm running out at Wembley. It's just, it's, it's mad. Andy, Andy, when you, when you came to, when you came, Bernie, when you came to Reading, um, obviously, you know, it's a new environment. You know, how, how did you feel? How did you feel when you first came into that, when we used to train at Coombe Park and you think, wow, you know, and then obviously it's your first day of training. How did you feel, you know, knowing that you'd, it was your dream to come to England and play football? I was... What was your memories? Look, I'd... Um, after I'd, I'd been kicked out of... After I'd left Spain because of the military service issue, which, which you know, that's another story. You can read about that in the book. But um, I actually... Uh, I'm one of only two Australians that Brian Clough ever signed. So I trialled with Cluffy and uh, Brian Clough signed me for, for Nottingham Forest uh, along with, um, I was the second after Alan Davidson uh, and, and I was the international back in the, in the 70s or 80s. And uh, so I was Cluffy's second Aussie signing. And, you know, at the time I couldn't dislodge Neil Webb or Des Walker. So, but Cluffy liked me, you know, he, um, but he never took, we never talked football. He just wanted to talk about cricket. He loved it. I loved cricket. And then asked me about Desmond Haynes and Gordon Greenwich, Viv Richards, the Chapel brothers. He, he bang on about cricket all day. So, um, but he liked me and he said, uh, I'm going to get you a club, son. So he got me to, to Ipswich Town. And, and um, that's another story. I made my Ipswich Town debut. And um, not long after, was deported. Uh, Mark Bosnich and I being the only soccerers to ever be deported from Mother England. But um, then, then it was five years away, and, and, and I landed back at, at, at Coombe Park, you know, in in, in the company of, of yourself and, and many other fantastic guys and players. And I, I was excited. Uh, I was nervous. Uh, I, I knew Reading were were back up in in, in the big leagues. And uh, really excited and looking forward to it. And it was like a, a dream, you know, my dream, you know, uh, was still, you know, attainable, or, or was attainable. And, you know, I just as a kid dreamt of playing on all those beautiful stages, mate, from Elland Road to, you, you name any ground in England. Uh, yeah. Know, it was just a beautiful thing. And, and, and I turned up and, and you guys were, were fantastic. It's always difficult, uh, you know, going into a new club. Um, but I was around four other, uh, three other new guys, Darius, um, Simon Osborne and uh, Paul Holsgrove. So we kind of 
hung together a bit, but, but everyone was welcoming. Uh, it was a good spirit about the place. Uh, uh, I remember Kevin Dillon had a fantastic place down, down at Coombe Park. Um, I wanted his house. And, uh, yeah, we all did. Yeah. We all did. And Kev got out of bed at 25 past 10. Yeah, straight, straight down to training. And, um, but, but it was a, uh, I just remember it as a very, a very memorable time for, uh, uh, for football in Reading, um, you know, for everybody. Uh, you know, my first encounter with the chairman, I had dreadlocks and he thought I was a, he says, are you an Aboriginal? Are you one of those native uh, Aboriginal? I said, no, actually, mum and dad are Spanish, mate. Because you look like an Aboriginal. That's typical, John. Yeah. But don't you, I mean, you know, obviously, Ray Ransom was the left back when, when I signed. Sorry, when the right back when I signed. And like you're saying about signing, you know, Darius, uh, Ozzy, and yourself, them little jigsaw pieces that fit straight away, you know, that you don't have to develop and you don't have to grow into that position. That was the most, for me, as a manager and as a coach, that they found the right players that actually could go into the fit the jigsaw puzzle that they were building at the time? Well, it was very clever from Mark McGee. Uh, you know, I, um, after I left England, he, he, you know, he had some times that, that were not so good in football, you know, and that happens in, in, in management or as a player. Um, but certainly, you know, the years that, that the year or so that, that I was under him at, at Reading, uh, a very empowering, charismatic man who, who, who made you feel very, uh, you had wings when you got into that tunnel and you were running out onto the pitch, you had wings, you know, he, he created a, a side that had no fear of any side that you played against. Um, it was almost listening to, to Russell Crowe in Gladiator, you know, as you ran out. He, um, in, that, in that respect, he was, he was an empower of men. He was, uh, you know, Colin Lee and Mark and Mick Hickman were, were, were fantastic coaches. It was it was pretty simple. We, you know, I joined a, a squad of players that that were on a high. You know, they'd just gone up from from Div Two, was it, Dill? I think. So it was, uh, you know, there was a real buzz about the place. You know, but 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 clever clever acquisitions, clever purchases. You know, for for not a lot of money, probably thirty forty thousand pounds in total. Uh, and and wow, we we fit straight in. But it was. Not only as footballers, I, I believe we, we fit in uh, to, to the culture of the club, the, the whole club philosophy. And we, um, you know, there was never any Billy Big Times at, at the club. Uh, just, a, a, you know, I, I don't, I can't put it exactly into words, but just a, a good bunch of people, you know, from, from officials, players, fans and it's, it's it's a very hard thing to find in football you know times like that you know particular years particular errors uh, uh, you know you asked me before you know what did I felt about that time in my life and, and amazing amazing I loved loved the whole experience Andy um, part of the success of that team I think um, and I don't know if Johnny will agree with me, but you had you on one side, did it on the other side, you know, getting forward. And you, you said that you didn't start off as as a right back, but you had that that freedom, didn't you? 
and that was part of as a fan that was fantastic to watch and you know Dylan attacking down one side scoring goals and you going down the other side was that you know was that something that, that helped you really enjoy your time at Reading oh look I, I think that always helps doesn't it that, that you play a, a beautiful brand of football and I think that side that side played a beautiful brand of football, but uh, you know I, I don't I don't see what they're playing much these days. I, I'm a little far away and, and don't watch all the matches. But um, you know, it was a kind of simple brand of football that, that sometimes over, over the years we've 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 gone away from. You know, it, it's you know the message was you know, was vertical first. If you can hit Quinny, if you can hit someone up front and then support and then and get wide and get crosses in and you know, at times we, we've, you know, especially, oh, I don't know about Reading, but, you know, here in Australia, we, we've, we overpass, we overkill it with, with passing and passing and possession and this and that. And, and um, it was a real, it was so simple. You know, get it to a free man up front and support and, and, and get round him and, and overlap. And, and, and you know, um, I remember, you know, Dylan and myself, you know, you get out of your feet and, and whip it into dangerous areas. It's pretty simple. And have people then that, that you know get in there and you know are fearless and put their head in and support and, and and win your battles in midfield, win your second balls. Real, real simple information um, given to uh, to motivated players that were all good athletes. You know, and and you're hard to beat that way. You're hard to beat, and, and you're going to trouble people. Johnny, have you got um, have you got a question from a fan's perspective from that time? I just think, Andy, like you know, you you're one of those players that put 100 percent in every time you played for us. And you know, when you went, when we went from Elm Park to, to Majeski, how was that for you? Then going to play under Tommy Burns and that whole transition. Well, yeah, Tommy. Um, oh, what can you say about Tommy? You know, legend of Celtic. But he, you know, I was one of the players that that you know he wanted to to get rid of. And, and to be fair to him, you know, my knee was was. Yeah coming to its end and uh, so I wasn't one of Tommy's you know uh, favourite players as such or, or one that, that he wanted to make uh, had me in his plans going forward uh, but the transition was uh, he had he had told me not not long before I remember uh, we had a meeting in the stands at Elm Park and he said uh, look I'd like to give you a payout son and, and uh uh, you know, you, you you won't be featuring in, in my teams going forward, uh, and uh, you know we're moving to the Medeski Stadium, and and I said, well, you know, I'd like to stick around, Gaffer. So you know, I'll, I'll try my best to to, to change your mind, and, and uh, I'm not sure if it was you know a few months later or something like that, but uh, I was lucky enough to to play in the first game ever at the Medeski Stadium. Yeah. You know, and, uh, and Tommy Burns was on the bench. You know, he was the manager, so you know I, I changed his mind a little there. Um, but but he came in, and it was a, a, a funny time. You know, he, he brought in. I think the first first week or so, he there was a minibus turned up with about eight players that Tommy had brought in, and they all th all through his agent. So um, you know, it wasn't looking good for a lot of us. Um, but that's football. You know, that's football. You get new managers in, and. and uh, uh, Tommy had his methods, his his systems. You know, ultimately, as a manager, you you live and you die by those decisions and, and performances. And and he went like other managers went. You know, yeah. But but that um, look for me, 
Johnny, when we talk about Elm Park, again, one of those little iconic stadiums that as a kid in Australia, you dream about playing in, you know, a, a really fan-friendly stadium. Uh, but then moving to Modeski uh, was a beautiful thing too. Uh, yeah. Then had a different feel, but but a beautiful feel in its own way. Um, yeah, just... just uh, uh, Lucky to play in both, you know. And there's not many, not many players, uh, I suppose, in Reading history that, that can say they played in both. Yeah. Um, Andy, Andy, how did um, talk about the the role with David Beckham? So you were, I think, your title was personal manager. You, you get, I, I expect you hear a lot, personal assistant, and you you don't. It's not uh, it comes the wrong image, doesn't it? But how did that come about? Well, I, I was everything. I, I joined Sue Roberts uh, at Reading yeah. had actually uh, got me an interview with David Beckham's agent, uh, Tony Stevens, after I finished at Reading. And I got on a train and, and walked into an office in Mayfair, London, and uh, met Tony. And, and Sue said, if you get five minutes with him, he's a very busy man. If you get five minutes, um, you'll have done really well, Andy. And, and I called it about an hour and a half later. And I said, Sue, Tony's making me a coffee. Um, I think I'm going all right. And uh, she said, all right. Uh, and it went from there. And, and he said, uh, Tony's test was, they were trying to get Tim Cahill at the time. They were trying to sign Timmy Cahill, the Aussie kid. And uh, they couldn't get him. And he said, well, this is going to be your test, Andy. Um, I'm going to give you three months to get Tim Cahill. So 24 hours later, I walked through the Mayfair, into the Mayfair office with Tim Cahill and Lucas Neal. Tim signed for us, Lucas didn't. Um, that's another story. Uh, you can read about that one in the book, but uh, that's that's how I became major. And then we, um, part of my role was working out of the Sydney office and London office and creating relationships and building relationships with all the teams on, on the continent in Europe. So um, I would spend months at, at times uh, visiting uh, Real Madrid, Barcelona, Atletico Madrid, all the Spanish sides, uh, then in, onto Italy, into Milan, AC Milan, Juve, the whole lot. So we'd build up a network of, of relationships uh, with all those sides. And, um, you know, the David Beckham move w was a year in the making. You know, I'd, I'd spoken to Valdano and Butrigueno in Madrid um, uh, over a year. So when Fergie decided to kick the boot into Beckham's face, it was pretty much everything was in place for... Um, for us to, to move David and, and uh, in the book, you know, the, the, there's a chapter on that where, um, you know, I, I go into Barcelona and we're discussing possibilities there and, and then, but David's mind was always on, on signing for Real Madrid. He wanted to play alongside Zidane, Ronaldo Nazario, Roberto Carlos, Raul, Figo. Um, so, you know, the fact that, the, you know, I was there, David felt very comfortable with, with, me, uh, you know, as his right-hand man, you, know, you call it whatever you want. It was, it was right-hand man. It was driver. It was bodyguard. It was, it was the whole lot. You know, it, it's the insanity of, of that role at that particular time in my life, um, has impacted me in many ways. At times positive, sometimes negatively. Um, but I wouldn't swap it. You know, I, I wouldn't swap it for anything. You know, I, I formed great relationships and friendships with, with all those Galacticos. You know just uh, the, the greatest of the greatest in football. Uh, you know, being with David uh, allowed me many opportunities to, to, to do and, and see things that, 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 you know, I would never have experienced before in my life. And, and you know, it was, it was as simple as 
you know, I'd played in England. I'd played in Spain. I'm the first Socceroo, first Australian to, to ever play in Spain, which is a, a fantastic achievement. And, and on the back of that, I, I speak fluent Spanish, Italian and Portuguese. So um, as I write in the book, and David, you know, David and me had... had had a friend, had had many roles, um, and um, uh, we were comfortable in that, you know. But you can't control a period in 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 football time in an era where where paparazzi were were stalking people like like Princess Diana, and we were stalked as well. And um, that's that's for many chapters in in the book. But you know, if, if Princess Diana was was stalked. And, and followed and pursued, uh, then you know, to, to the uh, to the extreme, then David and Victoria were up there. So you know, just just crazy, you know. You couldn't go anywhere. We'd be followed by a hundred people every day on motorbikes and cars, cameras everywhere. The, the, the hotel, the houses would be surrounded. You know, I'm I'm waking up. I'm going next door, grabbing David out of bed. We're off to training, and 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 I'm surrounded by two SAS commandos and and. And two ex, you know, Fidel Castro, you know, spies who were part of our team. It's, you know, if sometimes I, I just you'd have to pinch yourself, and it, just madness. You know, you'd you'd ring up Portion, and they'd just say, "Oh, hi, it's Andy. I'm with David Beckham. Can do you think we could have a car? And yeah, what colour do you want?" Then I'd go to Portion. I'd pick up a car and. I wouldn't sign anything, but just give me some keys. And off I drive in a brand new Porsche. So tell us, uh, you, meant, you mentioned your book, and obviously, you know, David Beckham's a part of that, and, and that, that chapter, if you like, is called Riding Shotgun. So what's the book about? Is, is it about your life, or is it a particular, you know, the, theme or topic? No, the book is, a, is an autobiography. It's, it's a book about a kid that was born in Australia to, to Spanish immigrants. Um, who became the first Australian to uh, soccer to, to go back and, and, and sign for a La Liga club in, in Spain, which is a really you know big achievement. Looking back and, and, and coming you know on the back of, of you know your mum and dad come out on a ship in 1961, and, and their son goes and becomes the first Australian to, to go and play in to play in Spain and, and sign for a, a Spanish club. Um, you know, it's a big achievement. You know, I wasn't the greatest footballer. I wasn't the worst, but but it's a, it's, it's a nice achievement. And, and the book um, details, you know, that process, you know, playing football and rugby league and cricket, you know, in Australia as a kid and then going on and living my dreams of playing, you know, football in England, you know, and, and I go through through parts where uh, I mention all the, the, the you know, the, wonderful stories and, uh, and journeys in the UK um, and then after football you know uh, with Beckham and then after you know life with Beckham where I got myself into a little trouble and uh, you know I'm not proud of it at a certain time in my life where, where I was addicted to, to cocaine and, and, and crack cocaine but I'm very proud that I got off it and I'm very proud that I'm here um, and to tell the story and, and, and hopefully um, you know empower young footballers, you know, girls, boys, to, to, to try and stay on, on the right path, you know, um, and and uh, continue and be resilient in life. So, um, and for me, there were certain parts after football, 
um, because I, I didn't divulge information on David Beckham and Victoria Beckham that the press came after me. Some of those newspapers in England now don't exist. They don't exist because uh, they hacked us. They spied on us. Uh, I was offered probably 16, 17 years ago, around 2 million US dollars to divulge information on David and Victoria. And I refused. And I got myself into trouble in Reading and um, they said, uh, this is a nothing story. Um, but if you don't sell out, if you don't do this, if you don't do that, we will ruin your life. Uh, you are kidding. Me. No, well, well, let, me, let me go back there because I want to, uh, your book's in my house waiting to be read when I get back to England. Andy, I've already ordered it. It's, it's, yeah. It got good. You know, so I can't wait to read it because I'm, I'm, I, I would have never, ever, ever imagined you taking cocaine. You might crack cocaine. I mean, you couldn't even drink. So, I mean, you used well, to come you know, with us. That's the best thing you've ever said. <laughs> Utopia, you, you, you were the last of the bar and, you know, first to leave. So, but no, I, I, I never knew that, Andy. I never knew that. And I tell you what, right. I'm, I'm, so glad, I'm so glad I'm talking to you now. You know, I'm, you know that, that must take some guts to tell that story. Um, and now you've just revealed that, that, that the, the press wanted to ruin your life. For you to give another story, I mean, listen, I take my hat off to you, pal. You know that's awesome. why it's always appreciate that. And, and Andy, you, you, we, we said I mentioned earlier a little uh, exclusive you've given us. You're you're a, a, you're embarking on another project, aren't you? To uh, I think you said you're about to acquire an, an A League club. Is that right in Australia? Yep, a business partner of mine is is a. We're in the, the final process now of, of acquiring a, an A-League club uh, in Australia. For, for everyone in England that, that may not be aware of the A-League, it's, it's probably like acquiring a major league soccer club uh, around that kind of level or standard. So, um, you know, I'm looking to, to get back into football um, via, via that way. It's, um, it's been a long time coming. Um, but, um, yeah, that's kind of... Um, the new Andy going forward, and uh, thanks for your, for your kind words, yeah, Dylan. Yeah, there, there's a lot of stuff that, that people um, uh, have have no idea. Uh, you know, um, you know, in my book, I, I've called out uh, the UK police, I've called UK courts out, and everyone is silent. Uh, so your uh, your books, Andy, your book's called Riding Shotgun. It, it's out now. It's out it, it's, uh, it's out on Amazon, and, and yeah. I've just finished the uh, the recording of the audio book. Um, Andy, you, Andy. So, so, so there you go so, so Andy look thank, you know pleasure to um, we always seem to run out of time it goes so so quickly especially when we got such a brilliant guest like, uh, as you Andy so thanks uh, ever so much for your time uh, you know great pleasure to have you on and for, for getting up really early in the morning for us as well my pleasure. Um, uh, thanks, guys. Really appreciate it. Any any time. Love you, listening to you, Andy. You're really you're really good, mate. You're such, such an inspirational story. You really do. Yeah, we'd love to get you and, back on again at some point, and, Andy, if you'd like to. Any time you want, guys. Just um, hook it up. And uh, as Definitely. Dylan used to say, Andy loves a shandy. <laughs> <laughs> Sports Social Podcast Network.